Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, I'm going to jump right in because, uh, shocker, if you've heard me preach, this is going to shock you. I have a lot of notes, okay? I'm going to try to go through them pretty quickly. But uh, this is uh, week three of our Family Values series. If you've missed the previous two, that's okay. You can go back on YouTube, Facebook, or go to our website, life.cc. You can catch up uh, on that series. But today we're wrapping up this series. And why are we talking about family values? Because when it comes to our relationships, uh, when it comes to our family dynamics and, and the values that we live by that form those relationships, how many of you know that culture just constantly changes, right? The world around us, our society values are constantly changing, but guess what? God doesn't change. God stays the same, and His Word and God's design, that should be the foundation for all of our relationships. And so we've kind of used uh, one scripture to be the theme for this series, and it's found in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. I'll read it for you now. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Everybody say ancient paths. ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Everybody say good way. Good way. Walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Now this rest that the Bible's talking about right here, this isn't the same kind of rest that you feel after your Sunday afternoon nap. Anybody with me on that? Any, any parents in here that just love that Sunday afternoon nap? That's not the kind of rest for your soul that, that the Bible's talking about. It's not the kind of rest for your soul that you find when you go on vacation. When you're, when you're able to take some time off of work, take some time off of, of the daily grind, and, and you feel rested, well, it's not the same kind of rest. What the Bible is talking about is a rest for our souls that no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter what's happening in our daily lives, whether it's stressful, whether there's a pandemic, whether there's wars, whether there's civil unrest, the Bible says if we walk in these ancient paths in the good way, that we find rest for our souls. That means we have peace when others don't. That, that means we have hope and joy because we know what the future holds with Jesus Christ. And so these ancient paths, it's simply this. I know that can sound a little strange and, and you know, it seemed, especially today, it seems so, so odd, the idea of, of living our lives in the year 2023 according to some ancient paths. To, to following a, a book that was written between several thousand years, hundred years, and it's so, so ancient and old and outdated and irrelevant, some people might think. So, so what does it mean to, to walk in the ancient paths? It just means to live God's way. It's God's way of doing things. And I think we all have that crossroads moment. Maybe you've had several in your life. Maybe you're at a crossroads moment right now where you have a decision to make. You have to decide, am I going to live God's way or am I going to live my own way? Am I going to, am I going to live the way that I feel is best, is, is what the culture would tell you? Or are you going to align your life and, and walk in the ancient paths, walk in the good way and live God's way? And I think many times the cultural influence can be so strong and the pressure can be so strong, even within the church, even for Christians today, the cultural pressure to live the way the world is living 
But we're going to walk in the ancient paths. And this is what we believe, that that ancient path, that's going to lead you to the best life you could ever live. It's the life that God has for you. And that's why we exist. We want to help you discover the life that God has for you. I really encourage you, like Pastor Nick was talking about, next week is our Discover Life event. I really encourage you, you know, attend that event. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe it's a little intimidating to think about about joining the team and serving. That's okay. Just come and and hear what it's all about. Uh, We'll give you some amazing resources that are going to help you navigate your spiritual journey. So next week after service, I encourage you uh, to attend that event. But we want God's values to be our values. So today we're going to talk about a value that is very important to God, and that is honor. Everybody say honor. 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 I'm going to go through scripture. I'm going to show you uh, how important honor is to God. The title is who we honor and how we honor. Who we honor and how we honor. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says this, honor one another above yourselves. This is the definition of honor. It means to value, respect, or highly esteem. To treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. Now, if you marry that that definition with what we saw in Scripture, it means you, you you are showing value and respect to something or someone. And, and the Bible says that we are to honor one another or value one another above ourselves. And like I was saying a moment ago, we live in a culture that doesn't do this very well. I don't know if you've noticed that. Our society uh, doesn't handle differences and disagreements very well, right? There's not enough, we don't see that effectively happening. Uh, what we see is people drawing lines and, and we see people picking sides And when it comes to ideas, when it comes to politics, when it comes to values in culture, anyone who doesn't think like you or or believe like you or agree with you, that's your enemy. That's what the world is is teaching right now. It's very common to to find that in culture. And what happens when, when that's the way of living? Well, it's very easy then to view someone that disagrees with you, or doesn't think like you or has different beliefs in you, and, and you can devalue them as a person. And it's easy to blame. It's easy to accuse people. It's easy to demonize people. And that's not honorable, is it? It doesn't sound very honorable. But as, as Christians, it's essential for us to prioritize the value of honor in our lives, especially in this culture that, that doesn't live it out very well. And the best way that you can live The best life that you can live is the life that God has for you, and honor is a big part of it. So let's talk about who we honor. Who we honor. What does the Bible say about who we're supposed to honor? The first is this, honor others. That's very general and broad. What does that mean? Who are the others? It's everyone. The Bible teaches us to honor everyone. 1 Peter 2, verse 17 says this, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. This is a very unique passage. I know it seems pretty simple where Peter is telling us to honor everyone, but he throws in at the very end this this last statement. He's teaching the believers and teaching the church that he's writing to. He says, you should honor the emperor. And if we go back and look at history, we know that the emperor was Emperor Nero, who was torturing and persecuting Christians. And Peter says, yes. Even the emperor who right now is is trying to round us up and put us to death and imprison us for our faith, even him, honor him. 
And I, I love that Peter did this for you and I. I know what he, he wasn't writing necessarily to us in the moment. Em, uh, we don't have Emperor Nero today, but guess what? I'm glad he did it because it's important for us to acknowledge that we can show honor to people we don't agree with. And I think that's lost in the culture today. You can honor someone that, that you're different. You, you, you don't have the same values. You don't have the same uh, beliefs. You can still recognize that people have value. You can still hold them up with value. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 in a different translation says this, Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Treat them with dignity. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Say humility. Consider others better than yourself. Now, not others who think like you and look like you and talk like you and believe like you and go to church with you, but even the emperors that are persecuting you. Think of them as better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Romans 12.10, this is a different translation. We read part of the scripture uh, earlier, but it says this. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Preference, meaning they're, they're above yourself, over yourself, before yourself. So who do we honor? We, we honor others. Who else do we honor? We honor, the Bible tells us, honor parents. And all the parents are like, okay, pause. Let me go to Life Kids real quick. My kid really needs to hear this part. Now, let's look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Honor your father and mother. And this is from the Old Testament as well. And, and actually, this is the first commandment in Scripture that has a promise attached to it. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That sounds like a sweet deal. But this commandment to honor our parents, to honor your mother and father, can I just tell you that... that this is not some kind of magical recipe for long life. I know a lot of times it's been taught that way and we've heard it that way. But, but this is a principle that God is wanting to instill in us. It's a principle of living a disciplined and humble life. And guess what? It's for your own good. It's for your benefit. It's not for the benefit of the parents. It might seem that way on the surface when you first read this scripture that that parents are worthy of honor, so you better give them honor and your reward will be long life. No, this is actually a principle that God wants to instill in people that showing honor to your parents is actually good for you. And the Bible says it will lead to an enjoyable life. And I know many people have a problem with this, this principle or this teaching because their parents, maybe your parents are not worthy of honor. Maybe you came from a family that was abusive, or maybe your parents were indifferent. Maybe they were absent. Maybe there is nothing about them that is respectable or honorable. Can I just tell you that this command and this scripture is especially important for you, if that's the case. God gave this command for your sake, because honoring your parents can lead to a life that is free from resentment and free from anger. And free from bitterness. And those things will destroy your physical and mental and emotional health. And I know it's not easy. Guess what? Honoring your parents is not saying that what they did or didn't do 
was okay. It's not. But God is trying to guard your heart and protect you by commanding us to honor our parents. God knew that there were going to be plenty of parents that didn't do a good job. And that's why he gave this command. Because a mindset of honor, a mindset of honor can undo the damage of dishonorable people. So maybe your parents are dishonorable people. God wants to protect you from that by giving you a mindset of honor. So I just want to think about this a little bit more. I want to, I want to flesh it out a little bit more. Let's talk about a person who, who maybe doesn't make this principle a part of their life. Somebody who just decides, you know what? That's great that the Bible says that, but my parents, they're terrible. They're awful. They're dirtbags. They're not worthy of honor. I'm not going to show them honor. Well, let's talk about what a person's life might look like if, if they have uh, this attitude. A person who maybe doesn't have honor for their parents or, or at least try to adopt that principle into their life, they generally will just have a lack of respect for all authority figures in general. They have a tendency to be rebellious and disobedient. They'll have a history of strained and broken relationships and even difficulty forming healthy relationships at all. They'll have a sense of entitlement, and that might seem strange, but I want you to hear what I'm saying, thinking that they don't have to show respect or honor to anyone that doesn't earn it. A lack of self-discipline, emotional immaturity, and a learned behavior to hold on to resentment, to hold on to anger, and hold on towards uh, to, to bitterness towards others not at, at a certain point it's going to be not just towards your parents but towards everyone else because that's a learned behavior and that's why God gives us this principle because he doesn't want you to live a life full of stress and problems and brokenness that's going to be a disastrous life and he knew that if you would adopt this value of honoring your parents you will create a foundation for your life for healthy relationships for emotional maturity and well-being, and the ability to forgive and let go of resentment and anger. That's a healthy life. So God knew what he was doing when he gave this command, helping us live our best life. So we honor others. We honor parents. The third one is this. We honor marriage. And I think preparing for this, this whole series and preparing for our marriage conference that we had a couple of weeks ago, I really just did a deep dive into a lot of uh, statistics in our nation regarding divorce and even the marriage rate. Um, and and I, I, I've come to this conclusion, and maybe, maybe you disagree with me, but that's okay. We're going to talk through it just a little bit. Uh, I think marriage as an institution has lost its place in our culture and in our society. And, and I think that because there are fewer and fewer people in America today that see marriage as something that's valuable for them or beneficial for them. But we need to recognize that marriage is God's idea. It's God's plan. It's God's plan for families and for societies. Marriage is a sacred covenant between a man and woman designed to reflect the relationship of Christ and the church. It's a special thing. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. What is that telling us? That if we have honor for marriage, we're going to guard our families against the dangers and consequences of sin. If you honor and respect marriage as an institution from God, you're going to set things in place that are going to protect you and your family from these consequences. And I think one of the reasons why marriage is becoming 
devalued or people don't honor it the way maybe that they used to or that, 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 we, that we should is because in our culture today, it's about individualism. It's about individualism above everything else. It's self-centeredness. It's selfishness. It's, it's self-gratification, instant self-gratification. But this is what the Bible says about marriage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. This is what Peter is teaching, that you are equal and you are co-heirs to inherit the kingdom of God. That one is not above the other. The Bible goes on, it says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. See, in a culture that values individualism, self-centeredness, selfishness, instant self-gratification, God's intention for marriage is to teach us things like selflessness and sacrificial love and putting the needs of others before yourself. And having mutual respect for one another. And God is so serious about this. I'm going to take a drink of water and then I'm going to tell you how serious he is about it. God is so serious about this relationship. That he tells husbands, if you don't treat your wife the way I've called you to treat your wife, I don't care about your prayers. I don't care what you have to say. That your prayers are hindered is what the Bible says. So we honor others. We honor parents, we honor marriage, and these are all just great values for you to have and for for us to instill in the next generation. We also, the Bible says, we also honor age. We honor our elders. The Bible actually says that honoring your elders honors God. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 says, rise in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. They're joined together. I am the Lord. And here's why I think that showing honor to our elders uh, is a way of showing honor to God. We see in Job chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? I think it honors God because our elders have wisdom and life experiences that younger people don't. Now, it doesn't matter if you're 50 years old There's somebody older than you that has more life experience and wisdom than you. So we honor our elders no matter what stage of life that we're in. And it's because they have things they can share. They've gained some valuable knowledge. They have some insights. They may have gone through things that you are going through right now. And the best way to form a relationship from one generation to the next is by honoring the older generation. Because without honor, you're not going to have access to that wisdom. If you write them off and think they don't have anything for me, they're irrelevant, they don't understand the world we're living in, well, these things that I'm facing right now and all the problems I'm going through, they wouldn't know a thing about it. If that's your attitude, then you don't have access to that wisdom and that insight that they could probably share with you. And this is why I think life groups are so important. I'm going to pause right here and give a plug for life groups. Life groups is what we do here at Life Church for community. It's where you can join in with a, a group of people and have, the, have a group of friends that are going in the same direction as you. We're all trying to figure it out and follow Jesus, and you need the right people in your life. And one of the amazing benefits of being in a life group is you might wind up in a group with somebody who's a little bit older than you. Hey, parents, you might wind up in a group with someone who's got teenagers while yours are still in diapers. Get some wisdom and insight from them. 
you know, that, that's what this honoring our, our elders is all about, is, is having that relationship where one generation can mentor the other generation. Honor others. We honor parents. We honor marriage. We honor age. Who else do we honor? God. And I know this is the fifth on the list, but it's actually the first in priority, that we honor God. And the truth is, and this is not even about culture, this is even about a lot of believers, that a lot of times our approach and our view of God is that he is some kind of celestial Santa Claus. Right? Like you, you sit down, God, I want this. God, I want that. And God, I'm upset about this, so do something about it. And God, this person really upset me, so hope they get a bunch of flat tires on the way to work. <laughs> and when you don't get your wish list from God, you get angry. And I think also our approach can be at times, I like this part of God. I like this aspect of what the Bible teaches a lot. That part that says he loved me so much, he sent his son to die for me. I like that. The repentance part, I don't like that so much. The, the part that talks about some serious character development and leaving some habits that, that I'm involved with right now, I don't like that part. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the things I like about God and the other things, it's okay. He loves me. He, he's kind of obsessed with me. So it's okay if I don't do those things. The Bible says that he is Lord, not your life coach. This is how my grandfather used to say it, that he's either Lord of all or he's not your Lord at all. This is what Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 says. A son honors his father, a servant respects his master. And this is God speaking. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect that I deserve? God says, and if we were to continue reading in Malachi chapter 2, God actually goes on at how offended he is by those who give their best to other things, other things other than him. And even us gathered here this morning together, we do this to honor God. And I know it's fun and I hope you enjoy the service. And if you're a guest, I hope you come back. But at the end of the day, we don't do this to be a social gathering. We gather to worship God, to honor God. Yes, the church exists to serve others. We exist to create community and foster healthy relationships and provide support and provide care for one another. But at the top of the list, church, we exist for God's glory, to honor Him. So we know who we honor. Now let's talk about how we honor. All of these things, all of these people that I, I gave you this list of people. Oh, by the way, did you all get the handout of notes? If you, if you need one, will you raise your hand and Brandon can help you? Awesome. I'm glad we have that resource for you guys. We're going to talk about how we honor some very practical things. If you need one, just keep your hand up till you get it, just so they can see you. Right over here, Brandon. We honor by putting them first. Putting them first. Put others first. Your family first. 
your spouse first, your elders first, your parents first, God first. That's how you honor, putting them first. Now, this is the difficult part. This is the tension in the culture that we live in today. How can we honor someone that we disagree with? How can we honor someone? How can we show honor to people that don't hold the same beliefs and values that we do? Putting them first does not mean that we are enabling unhealthy or immoral behavior. But we can still honor the person. You don't have to accept their ideals or beliefs. But you can acknowledge that they still have value as a person. And I know this one's hard. Like I said, culture, in order to honor a person, you also have to value and agree with their ideas and beliefs. That's where we're at in culture. The idea supersedes the person. And sometimes out of a desire for us to play nice with people, Christians get caught up playing nice with the ideas as well. And the world calls this tolerance. Okay? This is what the world wants you to live by, tolerance. And can I tell you that tolerance is a cheap alternative to Christian love? That tolerance is not loving. There's nothing thoughtful about tolerance. There's nothing gracious about tolerance. Instead, tolerance just says, okay, I just, I'll just accept you. There's no effort there. Yeah, okay, I, no matter who you are, what you believe, I'm not going to put any thought into this at all. I just accept you. There's a better word for that. It's called indifference. It's not honorable. I think you can and you should disagree with ignorant ideas. As Christians, we should disagree with unbiblical and ungodly ideas. And all the while, we should honor and love the people who wrongly hold them. How do we do that? It means that we know, first of all, as sinners saved by grace. Anybody just a sinner who's saved by God's grace? As sinners saved by grace, everyone around us, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, is a sinner in need of grace. It means we look for ways to do good. When everyone else is shaming each other, we're looking for ways to show honor. When everyone else is cursing each other, we're looking for ways to bless others. When everyone else is spewing anger and violence, we're quick to forgive. Here's ways to show honor. Show genuine care and concern. This one's tricky because it means you actually have to genuinely care and have concern for the person. That means you have to get to know them. And if you are just focused on being in friendships with people that think like you and talk like you, you're not going to have the opportunity to do this. You practice humility. Guess what? You don't have to prove that you're right. You just have to show that you care. A lot of times in our efforts to prove that we're right, the relationship breaks. I'm not saying never have conversations. I'm getting to that point. It means we look for ways to serve others no matter who they are. It means we can be hospitable. We can share a meal. We can create welcoming environments for people. Here's a good one. We can pray for them. This is why I think doing all of these things that I just mentioned, showing honor, especially to people you don't think like and don't believe the same things, don't have the same values, that if you do these things, if you 
show genuine concern and care, and you practice humility, and you serve them, and you're hospitable to them, you know what you're doing? You're buying relational equity with them. Like you have a bank account with them, and you're making a deposit every time you show them honor. And eventually, you're going to have so much personal or relational equity with them, you're going to be able to have those conversations. You're going to be able to say, you know what? I know you believe this way, but can I just share with you what my values are and how, how blessed I am because I live by these values? And, and I've noticed you've been going through this in your life, whether it's depression or anger. Can I just show you how I'm able to have peace? Can I show you in the Bible what this teaches? If you have a lot of relational equity with people, you can have those conversations. If it's a stranger in the comment section of Facebook, they don't care what you have to say. So that's how we put others first. How do we put God first? That's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. There's a different translation. It says it like this. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first, everybody say first, First. and the best. We honor God by putting him first. Bible says first fruits. Now, I'm glad that we don't bring in a lot of crops today and livestock. So how do we honor God? With our time, with our energy, with our resources. There's a reason why we gather on Sunday, the first day of the week. God, this day is yours. First day in my week, Lord, I'm gathering with my church family. We're going to worship you. We're going to hear your word. We're going to honor you by putting you first. At the beginning of every year as a church, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. We start every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We believe in the principle of the tithe, meaning the first 10%. I'm thankful for for technology. I'm thankful that we can set up recurring giving. Look, this is what me and my wife do. We use... uh, the Every Dollar app. Anybody use Every Dollar? We use the Every Dollar app to manage our budget. It's a little bit different than maybe back in the day where, remember, we're not talking about amounts. We're talking about order first. So that means before your bills get paid and before the fun money comes out, and before the hobbies, it says you're supposed to give your first to God. So we have it set up. The first and 15th on our, on our payday Those offerings and tithes come out right away. Uh, There's a woman, actually, um, Sister Martha Stewart, and she goes to our Houston campus. She serves on our our intercessory prayer team. I know you said Martha Stewart, like, she hang out with Snoop Dogg? No. (laughs) um, She has been a faithful member of Life Church uh, for many years. And as I've worked at the church, there's something really unique that that we've noticed and that we all just love and, and we celebrate. And that is that Sister Martha, when she gives her tithes, she has the bills. She doesn't just get the money from the bank and put it in an envelope. She takes the bills out and irons them, presses them. I mean, they are crisp. And she's given her best to God. I think that's beautiful. It's an amazing, amazing thing to do. And and I know a lot of times... um, the, the tithe, the 10%, it's something that not every Christian is on board with. That's okay. We can convince you. It is a biblical principle. It does financially support the church. It does, it, it does enable the church's growth and the growth of our ministries and the things we're able to do. 
uh, with outreach in the community. It helps us champion places like Ima's Home, which is an orphanage that our lead pastor founded in the Philippines that right now has 119 children that we feed, clothe, provide medical care for, send to school. And right now we're building a new facility that's going to increase the capacity up to 300 kids. That doesn't happen because money appears out of thin air. It happens because as believers, we get together and we say, we're going to give God our best. We were able to support churches after our legacy offering that happened a few months ago. Churches in Lithuania, churches in in Mexico, churches in the Philippines. We're able to partner with different ministries, even in the local community. And it happens because of this this principle of giving God our best. It, it, It promotes a generous spirit. Another way that we we give God our best is just to develop daily principles. And this one can be difficult. Like if we're supposed to give God the first, that also means we should be giving him the first of every day that we wake up. And it can be as simple as, thank you, Lord, for this day. Help me today. I need you. Help me to make wise choices today, Lord. It's more about the order than the amount. Maybe you're, maybe you're not ready. Maybe Maybe you've just started adopting some godly principles and applying them to your finances and you say 10%, like if I do that, my water's getting shut off. I would just say, do what you can, but make sure you get the order right because it's more about the order than the amount. Meaning it's more important that it comes first than how much you give. So we honor by putting them first. How else can we honor? With our words. We honor with our words. James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this. And James, I love James. This is probably my favorite book in the New Testament, my favorite epistle here, because James just says it like it is. He doesn't hold back. James says, with the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father. That's what we were doing this morning. We were praising God with our mouth. And with it, we curse human beings. So one moment, we're praising the Father. The next, we're cursing human beings. Human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You cannot honor people and curse people. Yeah, but I don't like them. Yeah, but God made them. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30 says, Do not let any, say any, Any. none, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And the Bible doesn't stop there. It actually says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Hey, honor others. Don't curse people. Honor them. Build them up. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth because that grieves the Holy Spirit. So we talked about, uh, we've talked a lot about honoring people that we disagree with. I know that's a lot of what my message has been is, is how can we show honor in a culture maybe that doesn't get it right or, or a culture that has very different values than, than what the Bible teaches. But instead of just focusing on maybe those, that classification of people, people we disagree with, can I just ask you a simple question? When's the last time you told your friends that you love them? When's the last time that you just took account of like those very solid, generous consistent friends in your life and just said, you know what? I love you. I'm thankful for you. Might, might be a little uncomfortable or awkward, 
They might be like, you, you okay? Like, are you dying? What's happening right now? When's the last time? Really, I want you to think of it. I'm going to lean in right here. You might be sitting next to someone that you need to say, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I see it happening. I love it. Nick, I love you, dude. Pastor Nick and I, we went to high school. Travis and Travis, raise your hand. Look, at we, we all went to school together. We played football together, baseball together, basketball together, got in trouble together. I love you guys. I'm thankful for your friendship. Nick, I'm thankful for the way you lead this campus, dude. You are an incredible leader, incredible pastor, and you preached amazing last week. Marion, Franklin, Mark, look around the room, Jim, Brandon, Matt. I mean, there's people in here I love with all my heart. I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. Each of you has had an impact in my life. Each of you has helped me grow spiritually. And I thank you and I love you. Sometimes we take for granted those relationships. And it's important to remember we show honor. So we honor by putting them first. We honor with our words. How else can we honor? We honor by protecting them. And the musicians can can join me now. We honor by protecting them. Anything you honor, you value. And anything you value, you protect, right? How many of you, you locked your house when you came to church this morning? There's valuables in there. So anything that you value, anything you honor, you value. Anything you value, you protect. This is what the Bible says, John chapter 7 Verse 18, he who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. Basically, he who honors the way God teaches is a man of truth and there's nothing false about him. Nick, you do me a favor and bring me that that item. How many of you know who Babe Ruth is? Yeah, there's a lot of hands not raised. Just go watch The Sandlot. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Great Bambino. (laughs) Babe Ruth. There's a story. Of course, we know Babe Ruth is one of the greatest home run hitters who's ever lived. He signed a bunch of baseballs. I mean, he signed countless baseballs. And actually, in the movie Sandlot, there's a couple of them the movie focuses on. But he, he was known for hitting home runs. And in his entire career, he only signed seven baseball bats. And for the longest time, there were only six of those bats that were signed that had Babe Ruth's name on it. Only six of them that that were located and found. And the seventh one uh, went missing for a long time. And this is actually that seventh bat signed by Babe Ruth. I'm joking. It's not. (laughs) It's not. <laughs> this one has Pastor Nick's uh, brother's name on it from Deer Park High School. <laughs> that seventh bat, it, it went missing for a long time. Um, at one time, it was given to a young boy at a baseball game in like 1920s, and years went by, and the family sold it, and it wound up in the possession of a woman named Marcia. And Marcia came to. to be in possession of this, I think, because her husband bought the bat at a garage sale or something, and Marcia had a dream to open a restaurant. She didn't have a lot of money, 
Well, one day she saw a news report about a signed Babe Ruth baseball bat that sold for a lot of money at auction. So she, she got hers out and realized what it was, and she took it somewhere where it got appraised and went to auction, and she made a lot of money. And she used that money to open her restaurant. And she had a lot of money left over, so she donated a large portion of that money to a foundation that Babe Ruth started as her way of honoring Babe Ruth. And when she was asked about why she would take such a large sum of money and and give it away and donate it, this is what she said. She said the bat was only valuable because it had his name on it. And since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing that I could do was something that would honor his life. So why do we honor people? Why do we honor people? Because they have God's name on them. Because they were made in God's image. No matter what ideas they might hold that you don't agree with and what beliefs they hold that you don't agree with, behavior that they have that you don't agree with and lifestyle they live that you don't agree with, they have God's name on them. Will you stand with me, please? You were created with great value to God. Regardless of what your life looks like right now, regardless of what your past looks like, you have great value to God. You are valuable to Him. You are so valuable to God that He was willing to take your place and die for you. Doesn't make sense, does it? I think about my own life, my own story, and realize how despicable I am and, and at times how evil I am. And it doesn't make sense that a God would love me so much that he would pursue me. A God who is holy and perfect, who doesn't make mistakes, who doesn't tell lies, that that kind of God would pursue me. It doesn't make sense. And maybe you have walked in here today and you're carrying a lot of shame. You're carrying a lot of guilt. Hey, it's okay. Listen, the sound of crying babies is the sign of a healthy church, y'all. I'm serious. I love that sound. But you can still pay attention to me. It's okay. You have value to God. It doesn't matter what you walked in here carrying. It doesn't matter. You might think you're too far gone. You might think what you've done is too terrible. You might think you have to do something to earn your place before God again. Our God loves you so much, he will reach into your dirty life and lift you out. When God reached for me, he found me in addiction and anger, in broken relationships, in depression, and he reached for me. Maybe you don't feel that kind of value. You know what it starts with? Just to surrender to him. Let everybody bow their, bow their heads, close their eyes. Nobody's looking around except for me because I want to pray for you. And I want to ask a question. You're in this place. And maybe you fit that description of someone who's carrying a lot of shame. You're carrying a heavy weight. 
from maybe something that's going on in your life or maybe something in your past and you're ready to surrender it. I just see your hand if you are ready to surrender to Jesus Christ this morning. If you're ready to commit your life to Christ, just hold your hand up. Maybe you've been coming for a long time. And you're saying, you know what? I need a fresh start. You can raise your hand as well. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for every person that's in this room. Thank you for every person watching online. First of all, we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your grace. We thank you that you find value with us even though we don't deserve it. We thank you that you love us so much. Lord, I'm thankful that you are so holy and righteous and pure that you are not willing to let me stay in an unholy, unrighteous lifestyle that you want to lead me out of that. That you want to clean me off, Lord. And that you want to lead me to the best life I could ever live. A life full of peace. A life full of hope. A life full of joy and love and purpose and fulfillment. I thank you that I have that opportunity just to serve you. So for every person that maybe walked in today not feeling the value that they have in your eyes, I pray that you would meet them in this place, Lord. That even today you would begin to work in their lives, in their hearts, and in their minds. And that you would begin to transform them. That you would begin to do that work, Lord. That transformative work that comes by the power of your Holy Spirit. That they would leave this place changed and marked with a determination and a fire and a power to go out and live the best life that you've called them to, God. Our prayer team would join me at the front. God, I thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. You are the reason that we're here. You're the reason we worship. You're the reason we study. You're the reason we preach. You're the reason we serve each other. It's to honor you. It's to give you glory. Because there is no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you. We could search the world and we would find no one like you. No ruler, no government, no king, no queen. There's no idea like you. You are truth, God. You're full of goodness and mercy. And we thank you that you're with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.